Sean Smith is a black person. I've been devastated by what I've seen coming out of the border with our Haitian community. People being beat, people riding on horses, people who are trying to get to safety for them and their family and their kids being turned around, or just being deported back to a country that is not even able to take them in right now. I am looking to make a difference in this area, and I need your help. Go to our website now, www.blankpush.org, and where you can make a donation and sign our petition, and where we are able, where we stand together and say to America that this is not okay, this is not right, and we won't tolerate it. This is not the America I know. This, this, this is not the country in which we are built upon and founded upon. We have a lot of work to do, and we have to do it together. So join us in this journey as we support our Haitian brothers and sisters that human rights is very valuable, and we have to stand together. We have to work together. And let's do this. Let's support our brothers and sisters. Go to our website now at www.blackpush.org. Hey everyone, so we are back. Today is, what what, what day? I, mean, I always forget the date, James. 29th. Where are we on? The 29th? 29th. 29th. So we're back. Um, we want to continue to remind everybody about our Haitian Relief Fund that we're trying to do. Um, and we This is something that we, I, I, James, I'm not going to let go of until the spirit leads me to let it go, but I'm going to keep talking about what's going on at the border with Haitians until some change comes, and I don't, I don't see much change coming right now in that direction. Yeah, well... I agree, you know, it shouldn't be swept under the rug so quickly. Uh, unfortunately, as the, you know, when you're not getting a lot of media press on it, um, you know, people have a tendency to forget and, yeah. you know, let it go because they don't see it. It has to stay in the forefront. If it gets pushed to the back burner, it's, it's probably going to disappear or people are not going to be paying attention. And it's going to be on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's how I think it is right now. Like, um, it's so much. Like, I, one of the things, I'm not even going to lie, from this perspective, one of the things I am trying not to do is to, um, I don't know, I'm trying not to get, uh, it's just so much going on. The world is crazy right now. It's on fire. But we want to continue to remember what's going on. Um, in Haiti as a country, but it was going on across the border too with Haitians and them being deported. Um, it seems like everything has kind of calmed down a little bit, but we need to make sure that we keep the attention on it. And maybe we need to go down to the border ourselves and see it for ourselves. Yeah, perhaps. Um, Ryan? You know. Ryan can drive us. <laughs> yeah, well, the to thing the is. To the border? To the border and yeah, go see think, what's in, in Texas. Legal, no, <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might get us mixed up with someone. Um, you know, the thing is, for me, man, like you say, you know, it's it's starting to dissipate. We saw everything the first time around, but you, I didn't hear much more outside of that. Um, you know, so I'm really kind of, I'm, kind of makes you wonder where things are. Um, just how much, you know, and to have the, the uh, Director of Homeland Security speak on it and say the things that he said, which really sounded quite negative. Um, when you are looking at um, the government, because he's representing the, the American government, um, and as a stance, that was the stance he took when yeah. he said those words. 
And, you know, he's representing the country at that point when he says that. But it sounds so, it sounded real personal. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was almost a personal, his personal opinion. And the fact in, that in, it matters is that he's, a, he's, he's, he's Hispanic. So you would think that um, with everything that's going on with immigration and other races as well, just not Haitian people. I mean, there's, right. there's people who are Hispanic who are having issues with the immigration system. We remember... Um, like two years ago, they were locking the kids up in cages, right? That's right. You would think there would be some kind of sin. Like, what I'm, I'm telling you, what discourages me the most is that people are not able to look outside themselves and see themselves in other people. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that as a nation, like as a people, not even as a, as a nation, as a world, if we can at some point, like, and what I'm learning to do, and this is all honesty, and this is me just being blatant, transparent, right? I'm learning to not put so much energy into people's negativity, right? So when people are upset, I ain't going to say no names. But when people are upset, I'm learning not to invest so much in it of my positivity into the negativity, right? Why? Because and one of the things that helped, me, um, that helped me do that is I try to step out of myself and say, like, you know, what are they going through? And if I was in that situation, how would I feel if I was treated the same way in that situation, Right. And I don't think that enough people are actually um, trying to look at what's going on with other people outside of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Just because it's not happening to you, it's happening to somebody. Like, I can't, the reason why I, I can speak up about people being evicted, right, is that, first of all, I've, I've been to that place where I have been evicted before, right? But at the same time, every single time I hear a story about somebody being evicted, I try to step myself out of the fact that, okay, everything's good in your household right now. But what if that was you? How would you want somebody to react? Would you want somebody to stand up for you in a certain kind of way? Would you want somebody to go down? You know what I'm saying? How would you want somebody else to deal with it? And that's one of the things that I'm, I, I'm really learning to do and trying to, and I'm praying that God gives me the guidance to just do that more. And not just from a black perspective or a white perspective, but from a, 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 a human perspective. Like everybody I come in contact with. Like if a person's having a bad day, Find out why they're having a bad day, right? Find out what triggered them that day and ask yourself if you were in that same situation, would you react the same way they're reacting? Like, how could I be upset with somebody who is grieving the loss of their parent if I don't even know that they're grieving the loss of their parent? But then, like, I, tell, I think we've been preaching this for a while. I've been telling everybody, like, you know, even when a person dies, right? Uh, we was talking about this with my sister, with that when people die, people have a habit of saying to you, like, oh, I know how you feel, or oh, I've been there, right? But you're able to relate to it differently. Like, you're able to relate to the fact of how it feels to lose a child to murder, right? Because your son was murdered. That is correct. And for me, in order for me to be able to grieve on your level, right, I would have to attach it to something personal to me. So, like, if I hear, when I hear people family members die, I think about how I felt when my grandmother died. I think about how I felt when my uncle died. I felt, think about how I felt when one of my aunties who just recently died, died, right? And it allows me to actually be really sentimental towards their, towards their, what they have going on because of the fact that I can relate that to when it came across my own life, even though it wasn't in the same way. But when it came across my own life, that's how I felt, right? Um, I remember when my grandmother was dying, James, and I think you remember this. I, when people called me, it was like, hey, um, ho, how you doing? Holding up? I mean, I'm going to pray with you. I told people straight up, I don't want to hear no verses. I don't much want to hear you praying for me right now on the phone. I just need you to pray for me, right? You ain't got to do it with me on the phone. You ain't got to give me no verses. I know them all. 
Jace pray for me, right? right? And now it's been a place to where like when people recently, even in ministry, as I've watched people who have passed away, I've been able to take a step back and be like, you know what? As spiritual as they may be, they don't need to be beat up with verses right now. They don't need me to read to them Matthew 5, where the Bible says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? They don't need to hear that right now. All they probably need to hear me say is that, hey, I love you, and I'm praying with you and for you, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I don't know. We got, we got to, I don't know. We have to get to a place where we stop looking at just ourselves in, in our own mirror, and we try to see things from other people's perspective and what's going on in other people's life. Because if not, I think that we'll never really hear each other or understand each other. I, I agree with that, looking at, you know, looking from the outside back in as opposed to looking from where your position is currently. Um, it's a lot easier. <clears throat> we can say that we know and understand, but unless, I, I can't, I have both my mothers, so I can't understand your uh, someone's position who has lost their mother. I haven't lost mine. I can't right. say, I've lost my dad, but even with that, if you are a person who is estranged from a parent, both your parents, grandparents, auntie, whoever, but you know you knew them, but you didn't know them. Right. You didn't have that kind of relationship with them. It's difficult for you to try to understand their position, uh, simply because yeah, that's my that's you know that's my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandparents, my cousin, my child. But I didn't really have a relationship with them. I didn't grow up with, you say I have, say for instance, a cousin that I knew of, but I didn't know. Right. I'm not going to feel the same. I, I, I'm going to be sad that I lost a family member, but the ones who were closest to him might feel a different way towards him. So I think a lot of it depends on the relationship that the individual has. But see, this is what, where... I so I get what you're saying. And that's how we are designed, right? Mm-hmm. We're designed because, like, you know, you ever heard those saying, like, nothing becomes real to you until it rolls down your street, right? Um, and and that's, the re- that's who we are as people. Yes. For me, and I'm just speaking for me. I can't speak for everybody. For me, there's a verse in the Bible where Paul says that in order to gain one, I have to become basically, I have to become a sacrifice to all in order to gain one, right? Mm-hmm. And what he's simply saying is that, like, he, and he says that. He says when a person is grieving, you grieve with them, right? Um and I think what happens so many times is that people are tired of feeling fakeness, if that makes sense, right? Yes. Um, feeling like somebody standing on TV and be like, oh, I understand what I understand how the George family, Floyd family feels, but you don't feel that in what they say. You're not seeing that in their actions, right? And for me, what causes me to humble myself and go back and actually try to feel what they're feeling is I use the thing that I can relate to the closest to that, right? I can't relate to losing a mom. But I can relate to losing somebody who raised me all my life, right? Yes. And that emotion is something that I took when I do, I've done eulogies recently. I mean, it's, it's been different for me. And I, I think even you've said, like, even my preaching style has kind of changed. Like, it's been different for me. Even when I preach funerals now, when I go in there, I may not have been emotionally attached to the person, but I understand the feeling of losing somebody who you love dearly, who you really, Absolutely. really love. Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, we talk about John three sixteen so much, and people quote that verse so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believe in him shall not perish. If we can relate the feeling of losing the person closest to you, 
and feeling like there was nothing that you can do to help that person, or that that person had done nothing wrong to be in the situation they were in, then we can somewhat, and I'm not saying we completely will be able to see that, but we can somewhat see the how God felt about that moment, right? You know what I'm saying? Because that was his child. That was his son, irregardless of what it, and it was the Bible says it was his only begotten son. You know what I'm saying? So imagine like the feeling of sacrificing your son for people who don't even like you, for people who ain't even trying to get to relate, like get to know you, and you're sacrificing him to bring you back into relationship with people who don't even like you. Right. And, and I don't think people really, like I don't think we really take the time, like we read that verse so much, we be like, oh yeah, God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son for me, just for me, right? Mm -hmm. But to understand the sacrifice, the emotions, the the pain that has to that went into that, and to understand like every single time, like you know, my I, I was always reminded, and I tell people all the time, like every single time we do something wrong, it's like we putting Jesus back on the cross again. And imagine how God has to feel to like be like, oh my God, like that one time wasn't enough for them, right? Um, Sean, that one time wasn't enough for Sean. Uh, and I was, I'm speaking for myself, and I, I think that. When I was locked up, one of the verses that they made us learn was they made us learn Romans chapter 6. And they made us memorize it, like, per, ver per verbatim, right? In Romans chapter 6, Paul asks the question. He says, what should we, he said, what should we say then? I mean, he said, how should we, what should we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How should we who are dead to sin live any longer therein, right? And it was basically what he was saying is like, do we continue to sin or do we continue to live life recklessly because we know that we have grace that backs us up. No, we don't, right? How should we who are dead to sin, meaning that we no longer are bound by sin, continue to stay in something that we're no longer bound by? Like, we have freedom to get out of that. And, and I was talking to a friend of mine the other night, like on Monday night, I went to Miyako's, our, our hibachi spot, and we was talking about how, even from a Christian standpoint, we become to categorize everything like, you know, and even in, in society, like everything, like this sin is greater than that sin. That sin is greater than this. This charge is greater than that. And in and, and God's sight, like sin is sin. sin wrong, is sin. right is right Absolutely. and wrong is wrong. And even when we talk about the our Haitian brothers and sisters, right? How, like, again, go back to that perspective that would I want to see my mom out there being harassed like they are? Would I want to see my brother out there being harassed like they are? Would I want to see my grandmother, if she was still alive, out there being harassed? No. There's nothing about that that's okay. Like, there's nothing, there's ways that we can enforce immigration laws. There's ways we can tighten up immigration laws. There's ways we can make immigration better. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have to lose who we are in our character in the process. And America's character is supposed to be a place of a land of immigrants, a place where people can dream big and, and come here and accomplish those dreams. Right. Is that the image that we were showing there? You know what I'm saying? And that's that. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm on an island by myself right now no, in this season of my life. I think one of the things we have to take into that needs to be taken into consideration for us all is yes we are supposed to be a country of uh, a land of opportunity for anyone who comes in outside of the country yes but only within reason right you know what i'm saying because the the because we're dealing with systematic racism um there's only there only look it only applies to a certain group of people so if you're coming in from outside of the country and you happen to be uh, Caucasian, then yeah, the door's wide open for you. 
um, that's what it seems like because you get you get those who are coming in from other countries and people of color and there's a lot of mistreatment for them to come in right and now, now <clears throat> don't get me wrong because you get us you get political asylum from you know uh, European countries without ease there without it being any kind of issue or, or lashback however get, getting political asylum from a, a country where the people are brown uh, there's some sort of there just seems to be a little more uh, uh, more hoops you have to jump back through yeah yeah and more hoops that you have to jump through now again we are we are talking about you know systematic and then applying that and I said it last week we still have, this thing still needs to be applied fairly across the board unfortunately fair looks different from our eyes compared to those who are in control and um, until that actually takes place we're going to continue to see the kind of stuff we've been seeing people put in cages and locked away um, and separated from their families people ran down and chased down by horses and 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 whatnot so these are the kind of things we're going to continue to see but it's all policy it all and even if the policy is um, it still has to be interpreted the same way right and then applied the, the same, same way. way and until that happens man I mean that's what we're really talking about here because everything else and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to roll it down a smooth road. Yeah, and maybe the main, maybe you know. And if that means we got to, if that means we got to get out and vote and change lawmakers and policymakers, then that's what we need. To we do. will be out doing we this do. weekend. Absolutely. Vote. And and so you know, make sure that you are registered vote. Go and double check. Maybe you moved across town or across the state or whatever, but make sure that you've done everything in your power to um, to make sure that you are registered to vote. So, because this particular election, because it is a midterm election, is probably the most important one. Yeah. And uh, because this is when you're going to get your state representatives. Your senators, uh, governors, all of them are going to be a lot of uh, places. Uh, yeah. uh, a lot you know, of places. Uh, county and state officials are going to be uh, put on notice, and this is your opportunity to to make those necessary changes. But to do that, you have got to be registered to vote. And then and once you register, sure educate yourself on that, who's That running. is correct. Make sure you educate yourself on the topics at hand so you can be an, uh, an informed voter. Go to the um, the city hall, count, town hall meetings that are in your, uh, your neighborhood, in your district. If it happens to be, hey, look, you might have to make a sacrifice. Uh, uh, for that evening and not go to Bible study. Maybe you have to make a sacrifice and not go uh, take the kids to football practice or make some sort of arrangement, you know, cheerleading, that kind of thing. But maybe you have to make those kind of sacrifices because the in, if you don't today, you're going to end up with some laws or some people who are not in your favor, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city, in your state your county or your state so these are the but so you have to make sure that you do your part and every single vote counts absolutely so you if you're sitting there if you're one of those people who say oh my voice my voice and my vote does not count 
I disagree with you, but it only begins with you doing your part in making sure that you are registered to vote. And it doesn't matter what, uh, uh, what part of the state or city you happen to live in, you need to make them necessary changes. And if you don't know, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, what is it, the um, My Vote SOS? That's in Georgia, yeah. yeah it's in um, Georgia. MVP.SOS.GA.gov. That's correct. And make sure you go in there and double check. Because mm -hmm. you might still be registered to vote in the county you just moved out of three months ago, and you thought maybe because you put in a change of address that it automatically changed your vote, uh, 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 your voter registration, and may, that may not be the case. So you need to double check. Make sure you get, do all the things necessary that you can vote, and you have uh, how much time do we have left now? Um, Everything right, needs to be done Monday by the, to Monday, the which is the fourth. Yeah. So it, it has 4th. to be done by October fourth. So. And that's in the state of Georgia. That's the state it, of Georgia. That is the state of Georgia. So make sure you get that done uh, by the end of this week, ladies and gentlemen. But moving on um, from that, I wanted to bring this up, too, really briefly. So talking about just knowing who you have in places of power and position, um, there's a video that came out recently of a black man in Missouri um, who had been arrested, had been handcuffed, and the police officers allowed their dogs to kind of um, to bite him and attack him. I think we got the video, Disco. I think he's coming up with it now. But I want to show this video first before we talk about it. So that that video, like, I heard about this story. Um, I have never watched the video. I've seen the pictures of it. And even now, like, that just, that's so raw. That's so raw. Because um, you do see in part of the video where the guy, I mean, at one point he wasn't handcuffed. But even at the point where he's handcuffed, the dog is still attacking him. And the police is just standing like it's okay. And I know for a fact because my last job, they used to bring dogs in there sometimes to train them in the, the warehouse that we had. 
And I know for a fact that most of these dogs, they teach them in other languages how to sick and how to not sick. And German being the main one. German being the main language. But I'm just saying, like, when is, when is enough enough? I mean, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm chewing on my tongue over here because I'm looking at that. <clears throat> there was absolutely no need for that. They actually had, he wasn't handcuffed when he was up against the car, but they had enough that they could have applied some pressure on him, grabbed his arms. And at one point, they had, his, they had his leg, they had the leg in his back. While the well, dog that was, was when he was on the ground, but I saw that he, when he was on, up, leaned up against the car, even when the dog was attacking him, he didn't move from there. He might have got moved from side to side, but his body was still draped over the car. They could have handcuffed him then. You know, and that, that didn't make any sense. Now, you mean to tell me that one dude was, is, a, is strong enough to outpower... Three dudes and a dog. Three, uh, uh, three, well, the, I'm just going to say the two officers with weapons. That you couldn't put, you couldn't put him in handcuffs. So, just how... Oh, I almost said it. But I'm going to say it. Just how cowardly are you? If you're a police officer and you can't get it. Get, now, we, now, now, people are going to say maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he had took some, made him superhuman. Whatever. Okay. Let's just face it. The fact that the truth of the matter is you had an opportunity to put handcuffs on the man. You didn't. And instead, you allowed the dog to get in on the action. Okay, and be able to bite him. And then while he was still being bit, you still didn't try to put handcuffs on him. And the thing, you but put this him is on the ground. You put the man on the the man's on the ground. You still don't take the dog off, but you have your knees in his back and still don't handcuff him. And even when you do get the handcuffs on it, you still let the dog get get at him. And my thing that is this: that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I and you know, from as a from an organization standpoint, I have been very much very much in the side of hearing the side of law enforcement on issues like this, right? Um, I've, I think I've had more meetings than most people would prefer me to have with people from law enforcement community, and I, I try to be extremely fair. But this doesn't do anything to justify the point. We have so many different options out here. They have tasers. They have, I mean, they have mace. They have other different options. And it's like, for me, Again, it goes back to the whole thing about, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, here goes the black on black. I mean, here's the black people crying up again. But for me, for a moment, we so we can't even watch like other parts of America can't even deal with the reality of their children being pushed by African-American. OK, without being about what's going on. How can you see this and think there's something OK with this or to think that? I mean, this is how we would treat people. Who, I mean, we and irregardless whether they're American, we shouldn't treat anybody like that. You know what I'm saying? Period. We shouldn't treat anybody like that. I don't care whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. Um, this video. I mean, I, I, I listen. Uh, it comes to a point where I don't have any words, and very rarely do I not have any words. Um, I'm more so like emotionally. That's crazy. That's all I can say. Like that. That makes no sense. So. Um, this is something that we're going to stay on, and we're going to actually reach out to um, the brother's attorney who was here and see if we can get him on the podcast, Ben Crown, because this is something that continues to happen. And I think that we have to um, we have to be real enough to say that police need to get home safely in the night, but this guy was not a threat to anybody um, at any point. And 
I hope that I hope justice is done, and I hope that it's equal and fair justice, um, not that thing we call the not the balance we call justice we uh, currently. Yeah. I'm so, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll pick up on this again. Um, again, another day, <laughs> another day. But um, I do want to continue to remind people that we have our um, bingo night coming up October 9th. And it'd be held at the, what's the name of the center we're doing it at? Uh, <laughs> um, the lo- spot, Little Five Points. Yeah, Little Five Points uh, Community Center. Community there we go. Center. Sorry, the Little Five Points Community Center. Um, so we'll be hosting that next week on the 9th. And then two weeks after that, exactly two weeks after that, we'll be hosting our second, second One Accord Conference, which I am super excited about. We have great speakers. We have Gerald Griggs who's going to be there. We have... Um, I can't even think of some of the names right now. So many people. Reverend Timothy McDonald, former um, Dolphins player Jason Allen. Um, So many great people who are going to be. Pastor Lisa Musser from Tabernacle International Church. Um, We have representatives from Paulding and and Cobb County who will be out as well. So super excited about that. That's coming up. um, And I think you're going to be booked to host it again, James. So um, be ready. And I'm super excited about that. So please join us for that. And remember, you can go on our website and make a donation at www.blackpush.org. Um, and also, too, I think this week we're going to focus on Newbie Corp. I want to do a whole segment on Newbie Corp, maybe Friday, um, so we can kind of talk to people about Newbie Corp and what it is that Newbie Corp does. So, um, as we, I think we will have that more defined by the Friday anyway. So, yes. thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thank, um, you, for thank you for watching. Join us tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll be on exactly at 1 o'clock because we'll be on with Carol Massey tomorrow at 1. So, join us tomorrow at 1. Um, as we talk to Carol Massey, and she's an awesome woman, so it'd be very interesting to see. And one piece of advice I'll leave everybody is try to look at people's situations from their view. Try once, try once, and I think that it changed the way we look at life and changed the way we look at people. Have until next time. Have a